Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Luke 2 and 1. Man, I like that. Welcome to King's. We're so glad you're here. Main text is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. A Christmas story, many of you know it, but pay close attention because I'm going to bring you some truths from this that you might not have ever heard before that I trust will change your life forever. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of, this, out of the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. I want you to say that, his betrothed wife, who was with child. That, that is a pregnant no pun intended, with revelation, because when you're betrothed, you haven't been together, so how could she be pregnant? Mm, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered, and all the moms said, Amen. It's a great day. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Say that. In swaddling cloths. Now, New King James, King James, NIV, does a poor job. That's the proper definition, swaddling cloths. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. I want you to say that. And this will be a sign to you. That was maybe about half the church. Ready? And this will be a sign to you. And you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Wrapped in what? Swaddling cloths. Lying in a manger. Verse 13. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things that were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned from their witnessing, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, thank you for what you've done in the first service. Move in great power now, I pray. May we be forever changed. We are not here to fulfill a religious obligation and ease our conscience because we came to church. We're here because we love you. And we're here because of the transformation you've done in our lives and the transformation that's needed in our community. And I thank you that you are releasing hope right now. Won't you just lift your voice for a moment? You're releasing hope to the hopeless right now. God, move in power. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, take your Bibles and turn to the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the four Gospels. And in John chapter 1 and verse 29, that will be the next text that I read to you here in just a moment. We do have notes that are coming around if you'd like those. Uh, just get the attention of our ushers. We'll pass that out to you. Thank you, gentlemen, for serving us this morning. Book of John, Gospel of John. Find verse 29. And the reason we give notes is because it's helpful to remember what was preached. And this message that I preached to you, I mean, I, th I think I've been saved for about 20, I don't know, 20, 24 years, something like that. Not to like, count and figure it out from the year, but anyway, a fairly long time, not as long as others, perhaps. And in that time, as I've served the Lord and been to Christmas service after Christmas service, all those years up until about five years ago, I never heard what I'm preaching to you right now. And, and since then, I bring it, I think, at least once during all the Christmas messages that I bring to you because it is so profound and it just changed my life. I mean, even though I know what I'm about to preach and teach to you, having heard it all those times before, it was revealed to us when we were in Bethlehem, my wife and I and a team of people that went, some from the church and some from the different extensions. And it was revealed to us on a bus by our tour guide who was a descendant, basically, of the shepherds of Bethlehem. And when I heard it, I just thought, whoa, that's intense. I need to study that out because how many of you know not everybody tells the truth and maybe that there's some guesswork there or something. And as I studied it out, I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's mind-blowing. And even this morning as I was reviewing my notes, I began to weep. I'm thinking, my God, he's so amazing. He's so awesome. Listen, if you ever had the thought that God's word is not actually God's word and some man wrote it or whatever ignorant statement you have in your head about that, I'm going I'm I'm to shoot that tonight, today. Because you can't, you can't study this like we're about to and not realize like, whoa, God. God's word is true and sure. John 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to say that. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So this morning, what I'm going to do, and I've given you notes, we'll move through the introduction. I need to build my case as, an, as a lawyer, if I would, if, if you will, and just develop some things to get to our main text, which is Luke 2. But if I don't build it, then you won't understand the power, actually, of what was said to those shepherds, those Levitical shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem on that day that the Savior was born. Christmas season's upon us. I do have some good news. Good news is the longest day of the year is, uh, I guess there's some bad news, the longest day of the year is tomorrow. The good news is after that, the days start getting longer, and everyone in Alaska says, hey, hallelujah. You say, like, what? what? Yeah, you're in, like, Missouri or wherever you are right now. I know it doesn't matter to you, but to us, the days are going to get longer. Hallelujah. You won't need to take as much vitamin D. The Christmas season being upon us, Christmas is the most celebrated holiday world over. World over, the most celebrated holiday. There is no other holiday that's more celebrated than Christmas. Now, he wasn't born December 25th, but it is in honor of his birth, which is very significant. John 1 and 29 says something that's so powerful, and I'm going to give a little bit of a closer look to it. First of all, Jesus is the Lamb of God. I want you to say that. Jesus is the Lamb of God. 
And he's God's gift to all mankind, right in your notes. And he came to take away the sins of the world. So, well, what is the Lamb of God? I'm, I'm so glad you asked. A closer look at what John the Baptist was referring to. Now, I have to say it this way. I'm not 100% sure that John the Baptist actually knew the fullness of what he was saying. But as somebody who now is a New Testament Christian, looking back on the Old Testament and seeing New Testament reality, the picture book of the Old Testament being made New Testament reality, and now looking back at it, John the Baptist, the final prophet of the Old Testament, said, Behold the Lamb of God, and that is so profound. And I'm not sure he understood the fullness of it, but maybe he did. But we don't know because it doesn't say. Except he does say, behold the Lamb of God. He's referring, he could be referring to, and certainly as you study it, it works and it fits within the confines of Scripture. If you have a revelation that's outside of Scripture, you want to flush that one. Because the Word of God is the bounds by which we're to receive revelation. And there is revelation in God's Word available for you even today. So he's referring to the fulfillment of the sacrificial system that began after Adam and Eve sinned. Throw up Genesis 3 and 15, please. If you'd bring your attention to the screens, Genesis 3 and verse 15 is called the proto-evangelum. I want you to say that. Proto-evangelum. Okay, pro means first. Evangelum, basically, it's the first time the gospel's preached. The first time the good news is ever preached is right at the sin of mankind. So they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to. Then they went and got some fig leaves to cover their nakedness, right? Fig leaves are a picture of religion because you can't cover your sin. You can't cover your shame. Only God can cover your shame. Only God can cover your sin. Only God can cover your nakedness, if I could say it that way. And this now is the Lord talking to Satan, and he says what? He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head. I want you to say that. He shall bruise your head. What is that referring to? Well, how many of you know what your seed is? That's your offspring. Here's Hannah on the front row. Daniel's on backup keys. That's some of my seed. That's my, my, my children, right? So when it says her seed he shall bruise your head. When it says he, it's not talking about a whole bunch of people. It's talking about one person. So how do you know that? Well, you have to look at Hebrew. You've got to study it. Look at it. It's singular. It means one person. It means of the offspring, the generations of this woman would come one man who's going to crush the head of Satan. That's what that says. My chicken skin right now. Right? All right. Go to verse 21 of that same talking about Jesus being the Lamb of God. Okay, now this is fascinating. For Also for Adam and Eve and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and enclosed them. Now we don't know what the tunics of skin were made of. There's a, there's a lot of different arguments, but I, for the sake of this morning and how I see it and what I believe, we'll know when we get to heaven. The tunics of skin are ma- what I believe to be made of a lamb. Because it makes sense. It's consistent throughout all of Scripture, you see. This is the very beginning of the sacrificial system. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 4. I hope you bought a steak knife. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 4, and if you go ahead and put that Scripture up, verse 2. So 
Now they've sinned. God's covered them. They can't use fig leaves. God covers them with, the, with the, an animal had to die. Let's just say it that way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So Adam and Eve are covered, and they begin to have a family. And in the course of time, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain, that's one of their sons, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the, to the Lord. And verse 4, Abel, there's Cain, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. So there's a difference here. Cain's bringing some fruit. Abel brings of the first of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected, I want you to say that, the Lord respected Abel and his offering, verse 5, but the Lord did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was angry and his countenance fell. Go to verse 6. So there's a distinction between these two, Cain and Abel, and how they were supposed to worship God. Abel brought what was required. Cain brought what he wanted to. And Cain was rejected, not respected. How many of you want respect? Do the right thing. That's what this text says. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? Verse 7. If you do well, I want, come on, read this out loud. It's right up on the screen. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And then he goes and commits the first murder because he didn't rule over it and he didn't repent and he didn't get help. He's angry at God. How come God? Ah, ah. This is all straining and angry at God when actually he could have had the blessing of God. Well, he didn't have any flocks. He just had vegetables. He could have talked with his brother. He could have traded him some vegetables for an animal and could have actually brought a real sacrifice to the Lord, not what he thought he should bring or what he wanted to bring, but what was required. I do believe that was a lamb. How would they know that? Adam and Eve. Their, their parents taught them. I hope you're teaching your kids. We're teaching them, but you need to back it up at home. Missed a great place to say amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. I'm building a case about the Lamb of God, about God's Lamb. What, what is that? What, what is God's Lamb? In Genesis 22, and I, I go right to the very first verse, and we'll, we'll work with this here. Genesis 22. This is the story of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. All right, Abraham. Genesis 22. Ready? On the screen, set. Now it came to pass, that was pretty good. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, and he said, uh, he said, Abraham, and he said, here I am, next verse. And he said, take now your son, listen to the language. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you next verse. So God speaks to Abraham and says, take Isaac. Now, if you know the story, Abraham and Sarah was well beyond childbirthing years, but God blessed them. And then Isaac comes, the promised son, which means laughter. And so now Isaac, they say, scholars say, so I've heard it preached that he was 17 years old. Well, scholars say he's not 17. They say he's 31, say Hebrew scholars. But I think they might have it wrong. I think he was 33. Why is that? Well, I don't know. It just seems to work. How many of you know how old Jesus was when he was crucified? We'll find that out in heaven also. So take your son, which is not all that unusual in pagan cultures, and go sacrifice him on a mountain that I'm going to show you. 
So it goes on to say that Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, split the wood. He split the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4. Then on the third day, everybody say the third day. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. I know I've taught this to you probably a dozen times, but still yet, I've taught uh, things that people don't hear, and they hear other things. And so I'm going to teach it to you again. The Hebrew word there, merahuk. Oh, you got to go back. On the third day, everybody say the third day. Go do a study on the third day, all the stuff that happens on the third day. There's a third day resurrection power that's released. On the third day, Abraham's going, and he sees her. He is three days, three-day camping trip, looking for the place that God's going to tell him where it is, but he doesn't know where it is yet. And on the third day, he saw the place afar off. Hebrew word, I'm mispronouncing it, but it's merahuk. What does that mean? It means he saw the place afar off. Is there any other meanings to that? Oh, Yes. Another meaning would be he saw something of God afar off. And so Abraham is there, and he sees on the third day, bam, he sees the place, but he sees something of God. I think it means both. He saw the place afar off. Oh, that's the mountain, Lord? Lord, is that the mountain? That's the mountain, Abraham. Awesome. And then he saw something of God afar off, meaning in the future he saw something of God afar off. And I'm going to prove it with New Testament here in just a minute. And he goes to the place. Go ahead and, and, and turn to the next verse. Abraham said to the young man, stay here. The donkey, the lad, the 33-year-old lad, 31. If you're 100 and something, everybody's a lad. They'll go yonder and worship. We will return back to you. Now, he knows he's got to sink the knife into, into his son, but he has faith that God's going to raise him up. We're going to come back to you. It says, it's plural. We're coming back. Okay, next verse. Let me paraphrase. He goes up, he goes to sacrifice Isaac, and an angel says from heaven, now I know you can be tested. But just before that, Isaac says, hey, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. A what? A lamb. Wow. Well, he knew Isaac wasn't a lamb, so... He goes to obey the Lord. The Lord stops him and says, now I know you can be trusted. There it is. God will provide himself, verse 8, a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And what ends up happening is the angel then says, well, you can be tested. The most precious thing to you, you can be, you can be trusted. He was tested and he can be trusted. And then they look and they see a ram, not a lamb. They see a ram in the thicket. What most people don't know is that that particular place that he saw afar off on the third day, a place, Merahook, something of God, afar off, is the region of Moriah. Do you know what the region of Moriah is? It is none other than the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. It is the same place. It is the place of the, the Temple Mount. It is Jerusalem. It's right there. That's, that's it. Pretty important piece of real estate. If you look in Scripture and you see in Exodus chapter 12, moving further on in history, the final plague over Egypt was what? The death of the, the firstborn. And, and Moses is told by God to tell the people to get a lamb, one for every household, and kill the lamb. And it talks about it, the, the, the Pascal lamb or the Passover lamb, that if the blood of the lamb is on the doorposts and lentils of their heart, I've taught this dozens of times also, then that death angel passed over. 
on the doorposts of their homes, the blood. It's types and shadows. Hebrews 10 talks about that. 10 and 1, that the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the greater things to come. You know what the enemy would love to do right now? Get you lost and texting something and get snapping right now. Put a bullet in your snap and listen up because it just might change your life. And if you get distracted right now, I'm just telling you, it's probably the devil to try to get you distracted so you won't hear what I'm about to say. I'm about to sew it up and blow it up. Come on, somebody say amen. So the, the, the blood of the lamb, the, the Passover lamb, is to be killed. And the blood is to put on their doorposts and the death angel would pass over. And that's just what happened. And Passover is this incredible celebration of the death of the, the, the protection of the firstborn, the protection of the blood of the lamb, the protection of God as he delivered them from the house of bondage, as he delivered them from Egypt. And the curse, the, the destroyer came and destroyed all homes that didn't have the blood on their doorposts. Millennium later, John the Baptist points at Jesus and says, behold, the Lamb of God. And then on Passover, on Passover, at the exact same time, everybody say the exact same time, the exact same time that they killed the lambs for sacrifice, was when Jesus was crucified. Let's have a praise break for just a second. The lamb was a sacrifice for sin. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 53. And if you were to read Isaiah 53 to, to any Jew that knew the word, they would tell you, they don't have to be a believer in Jesus. They would tell you point blank that Isaiah 53 is what is called a messianic prophecy. So this Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, written 700 years prior to Jesus, his first advent, when he came, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls that predate the birth of Christ that have the book of Isaiah. So... I mean, you, you, you really have to be doing some mental gymnastics to, to not understand that the book of Isaiah was written by God because there's no way. There's so many. In fact, the book of Isaiah is very similar to the entire Bible. There's like an Old Testament, kind of a New Testament. It's, it's fascinating. Isaiah 53, you all there? Who has believed our report, verse 1, to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed? He shall grow up before him like a tender plant and as a root. Everybody say a root. How many of you know what the Na Nazareth means? The Nazarene. You know what that means? It means root. It's also in Zechariah. I mean, you got to work really hard to become an, to, to not believe that Jesus is God. Really hard to, to not come to faith that Jesus is the Messiah that took your sin. He's the Lamb of God. you got to work really, really hard. He has no form of comeliness, New King James, meaning he wasn't attractive. He wasn't just this you know, stud-looking kind of a guy. When we see him, he had no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, verse 3, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. 
He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse four, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And verse seven, he was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth and was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears was silent. So he opened not his mouth. Verse eight, I'm going for the whole thing. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Transgressions is sin. The sins of my people, he was stricken. They made his grave among the wicked. But with the rich at his death. Does that sound familiar? He was crucified, a criminal's death on a cross, but buried in a rich man's tomb. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Verse 10, he's put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering of sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. I want you to read this verse right here. By his knowledge, my righteous servant now shall justify many. Justify means just as if you didn't sin. So what he's saying, Isaiah, what Isaiah is saying, 700 years before there was ever Jesus come into a manger, he's writing prophetically, declaring there's one, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, who would take away the sins of the people. That by his knowledge, by what knowledge? By the fact that he was crucified and he rose again on the third day. By his knowledge, a righteous servant, Jesus, shall just, I've been justified because my sin no longer remains. My transgressions have been taken care of because of the Lamb of God. I've been redeemed. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new, hey, come on. I'm telling you, it's something to shout about. Christmas is about Jesus. It's about the Lamb of God. Can you shout amen? amen? You have to get excited about it. I can't help myself. So when John said, behold, the Lamb of God, he was saying something. Jesus is a Passover lamb that brought protection, in your notes now, redemption, healing, and forgiveness. Tell the children's ministry I'm 10 minutes late. Please. Are they all lined up outside? <laughs> Let's ask for wisdom. I'm from New York, so if I start talking fast, you'll understand.
The NIV, here, look at the main text now. The NIV misses the significance of what is said. That's why if you have an NIV version, it doesn't talk about swaddling cloths. The King James, New King James, and some other versions do. The actual Greek word swaddling cloths in that main text, the angel saying, it'll be a sign to you. You'll see a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Swaddling cloths, you have to understand Jewish burial customs. Mary and Joseph traveling a long way, about 100 miles, to, to go back to Bethlehem would have most likely had around their waist what is also called swaddling cloths. Because if a Jew died on a long journey, it would be very shameful for your body not to be covered. And so on long journeys, they would carry swaddling cloths usually tied around their waist. So when Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph take these swaddling cloths and they wrap him. But more than that, we understand from history, write in your notes quickly now, concentrate. We understand from history that Bethlehem is the place where the Levitical, the Levitical sheep were, were raised. These are Levitical shepherds. They weren't just average shepherds. These shepherds raised the sheep for the temple because of their close proximity to Jerusalem. And when they would bring those sheep, which had to be, according to Leviticus and in Deuteronomy and in other places, had to be a lamb without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. So in order to ensure that these lambs would be protected for the sacrifice without blemish, going up to Jerusalem with rocks, I mean, you can go and see it. We saw the shepherd's field. We saw it when we were there. They would take what they called swaddling cloths and wrap the arm, the, the feet, and the legs of these sheep so that when they went up, they wouldn't bang against a rock and it would protect them arriving at the temple for the sacrifice without blemish. So when these angels who declare the glory of God say to the shepherds that you're going to find this babe wrapped in swaddling cloths He's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, he's the Lamb of God. They fully knew what he was talking about. They're like, whoa, whoa, seriously, it's the Messiah. All of Israel cried out for the Messiah to manifest, and, and, he, and he did. He came. He came, and they, they knew what they were looking at, and they became the first witnesses. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to that revelation? You see, because if that's true, and it is, then all of God's word is true. And how, do you, how then should we live? That's what one scholar said, understanding these things. How should we live then? Come on and give them praise in the house of God. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. He's the Messiah. He's the Lamb of God. That's who we're celebrating today. That's, we're not celebrating a bunch of gifts. This is just a picture of the greatest gift that's ever been given. The Messiah, Jesus the Christ, who redeem you, wash you, cleanse you, help you, set you free. Our human works won't save us. We need a Savior. 
Come on, put your hands together for God. I'm going to pause, finish this, and we're going to invite our children in. I, fi- I figure since we're having a revelation of the Lamb of God, the greatest gift that's ever been given, we're going to go ahead and give some gifts to kids today. And we're so grateful. Go ahead and crank up that music if you're ready to go. And uh, let's party. Let's bless these kids. Can you say amen? Come on, put your hands together for these, won't you? Come on, this is
to give the kids a little bit of time to go ahead and shred their gifts. And, um, and while they're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and complete my message. Very good. Take your time. Come on, someone say, Jesus is the Lamb. Come on, say it again. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Hopefully you've seen it. So those shepherds, Levitical shepherds, tending sheep that would be sacrificed at the temple are the first ones at the baby shower when Jesus is born. They're the very first ones. And how appropriate is that? That the Levitical shepherds that raised the sheep for the sacrifice come and witness the last sacrifice that would ever be made. Because the blood of bulls and the blood of goats and all of that you see in Levitical laws no longer required. For sin entered into the world through one man, Adam, left through what the Bible calls in 1 Corinthians the last Adam, the Lamb of God. I think you ought to put your hands together one more time for, for the Lord. So as I bring this to a conclusion, you know, how, how do you respond to this truth? Right back into your notes. How do we respond to this truth of Jesus being the Lamb of God? How do you respond to that? Well, that's a good question. Very simply, our human works won't save us. We're sinners, and we need a Savior. We need something more than a rule book. You know, I had a rule book before I was born again. You need to be born again. And if you hear any other message than that, you're not hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. Good news isn't you have to obey all the little rules and regulations and make sure you cross every T and dot every I and then just do everything perfectly and then, then, then and only then will you be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. That's all other religions. All other religions are man reaching up to God. But Christianity, good news, the gospel, is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish. There is a perishing, but have eternal life. So we need a savior more than a rule book, but thank God for the rule book. In Romans 3 and 10, as I'm on approach, bringing this plane in for a landing, as it is written, Romans 3, 10, says, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God, verse 12 of Romans 3. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. In Romans 3 and 23, he goes on to say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, every single person under the sound of my voice and those who have not heard yet, every single person needs redemption. I'm so glad you're here on this Christmas Sunday, and I hope you come tonight, and I hope you come Wednesday night, and I hope you come for the Christmas Eve candlelight communion. It's going to be amazing. But the truth is, the real reason for the season is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was born and walked the earth for 33 and a half years and took the sin of mankind, fulfilling Isaiah 53. All of us have lied. All of us have stolen. All of us have fallen short. But God made a way to redeem us, to free us. Jeremiah 13, 23, I came upon this scripture. I've not used it for a long time. It's so profound. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? 
Can a leopard take away his spots? Neither can you take away your own sin. That is the truth of Scripture, Old Testament and New, that God is a holy God and you and I are separated from him. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Christmas is about the Lamb of God. The shepherds knew it. Do you? The shepherds declared it. They were the first witnesses, which is profound because shepherds couldn't vote. Shepherds couldn't. Nobody trusted shepherds. They were dirty. They smelled. Not like on some of us when we first came in the house of God. And they went and they told everybody. They're, first, they're the first mission team. First street witnesses right there. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's what we did. We just gave all these kids gifts, and we're going to exchange some gifts. My family, maybe you're going to do that as well. I've given some cards, and things are arriving in the mail. What is a gift? It's perfect and complete. Well, you might not like it. You know, Maybe you want to exchange it or something, but the truth is that the salvation... You don't earn it. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Oh, you don't have to be baptized in water to get saved. Although, when you do get saved, you're commanded to get baptized in water. But you must give your life to Christ. That's what real Christianity is. That's what Christmas is all about. Beholding the lamb. You've got to choose to receive the Savior. Come on, write in the notes. You must choose to receive him as Savior. Choice is called the glory of man in Scripture. In the garden, Jesus could have, you know, the Lord could have made Adam and Eve just to be wound up like a clock and just, you know, walk around like little robots. But he didn't. He gave them free will, allowed for them to choose to disobey or obey. That's because that's where the way love is. The deists see mankind as created by God, but that God is off just watching, unmoved. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is intimately involved. And he says things like, you've blown it, but the seed of the woman will crush the head of Satan. Millennium from now, I will send my lamb. I'll send my son, my one and only son to the place, the same place, types and shadows, bringing fulfillment that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm convinced that most people in church have never been born again. They've never been saved. They've never repented of their sin. Online, those that are here, won't you choose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Won't you do it today? We've been set free because of that, set free from sin, set free from bondage, set free from Satan. Won't you receive Jesus in the closing moment of this service? Won't you give your life to Christ? It's the greatest gift you'll ever receive, not just at Christmas time, anytime. If that's you, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or you want to make a recommitment to him because you know that you're not living for him, but you did receive him a time ago, maybe at a kid's camp or last week, but you know you're not living right for God. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior first time or make a recommitment all across this place, every head bowed, every eye closed. Two minutes more and this service will be over. 
That's you. You want to give your heart to Jesus first time or make a recommitment. You say, that's me, Pastor. Wonderful. On the count of three, you want to be included in this prayer. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a recommitment. On the count of three, you slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, my. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand high. Bless you. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Would you stand up with me all across this place? You made a decision to give your life to Christ for the first time or in recommitment. We want to get to know you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in a moment. I've got a team of people out at that next steps desk, and they'll give you a Bible study and help you grow in the things of God. You, you need a church. You need a good church. This is a good one. There's others. There's sure. There's others. I'm partial. You need to find a good church. You need to get involved. You need to go. Not just don't be a creaster. It's Christmas and Easter. That's not how you grow in God. That's not how you walk this abundant life. That's not how you do it. You commit. And you develop and you grow and you develop relationships with people that walk with you and teach you and help you grow. And so you enter into all that God has. Come on, not fire insurance. This is not fire insurance. If it's walking with Jesus, learning who you are in him and living life and life to the full, life abundant. You'd be a youth or a senior or anything in between online. You let us know. Come on, pray this prayer right out loud all across this place. Many people pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. I believe that you're the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world to all who believe. I receive the washing away of all of my sin. Thank you that today you've written my name in the Lamb's book of life. And I will serve you with all of my heart. Help me. Give me a hunger for your word. A hunger for the things of God. Fulfill my purpose that you had for me before I was even in my mother's womb. And help me to do it by the power of your spirit. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lift your hands, a universal sign of surrender. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Fill them. Enable them. Empower them to live holy, even as the last point on my notes here, to live holy. How then should we live? We should live holy, separated unto you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of peace and the great I am, Emmanuel. God with us, we celebrate you and declare your kingdom here in our lives. Lord, thank you for what you've done today. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, 
you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.